You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my co-founder and good friend with me, Nicholas Bugs, on the call. Nick, say hello. Hello, folks. Again, it's great to be back. I know. It's been a really long time. It feels yeah, like it's been a while, but but what happened is, and it's not COVID-related, but what happened is, is, is uh, we were a little bit under the weather, right? As a team. Yeah, yeah, as a team. It's it's crazy, you know. Um, it's probably especially because it's, you know, the wintertime and things like, you know, just the air is drier and the, the heat in your house is kicking up and drying out air and things like that. And I'll just say that, you know, my voice over the past, you know, couple of weeks has been, you know, hit hard. So it's, you know, again, it's great to be back just because now we're over this, you know, this part of the nonsense of the winter season. Well, Kind of. The weather's going to kick up here probably. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And and your voice is already so deep that when you get sick, it goes deeper. It goes into brown note, right? Like, <laughs> right. The brown note is, is the note you can play and make everybody poop instantaneously, right? <laughs> well, I seriously hope that I am not making our listeners poop instantaneously. No, no, you're back up to your voice. normal levels, but when you're sick... You go, you drop even lower to brown note. Right, we can't have right, that right. on. The, we can't have that on no. the mic. Nah, man, can't, can't have that on the cast, bro. Yeah, then there'll be like this nationwide, worldwide, um, you know, embarrassment. You're right, you're right. <laughs> from, from the unexpected pooping. Right. Um, I'm excited about the conversation because Sundance just happened. Um, Belcourt Theater actually in Nashville was one of the like sort of uh, remote sites for for Sundance as well. And that that was a pleasure. A lot of films came out of there. We're going to see a lot of these films roll out actually in theaters when they open up, in my opinion. But we're going to talk about one in particular uh, because it relates to independent film. Uh, it's a short film by Kelly Fife Marshall named Black Bodies. And we want to talk about sort of the story of how Canada had had sort of snubbed this film getting into Sundance, it was one of just very few that got in from Canada until Hollywood actually nudged the film and gave it a little bit of buzz and network effect and, and talk about sort of how that relates uh, to the independent film creative. And so we can start right there, Nick, this jumped right out to you when you saw it. Um, Why do you think it's so hard for a filmmaker that makes the Sundance. Like, do you think it's a, a race thing? Cause it's, this was a movie made by a black director and with a black cast named black bodies and black crew, or is this just a, a, a function of uh, Toronto? Is this like a function of, of Canada not really believing in itself until Hollywood says, Oh, that was good. I think it's the latter for sure. You know, and I think that that's what, you know, Kelly Five Marshall basically said, you know, she said, you know, 
Canada's not standing up for its own films until Hollywood validates them. Uh, this film actually won the 2020 Changemaker Award at TIFF. You know, I think that was presented by the Shawn Mendes Foundation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an award-winning film at TIFF. It makes it to Sundance. Uh, I don't believe that it won anything at Sundance, but it got the nod from Ava DuVernay, right? So you have this, you know, award-winning and and very well-known, very well-established uh, director, you know, basically giving the nod herself to this film. And then suddenly, you know, it gets uh, a certain level of notoriety and attention from Canada, mm-hmm. right? And maybe, again, Toronto um, in particular, but it's like, well, where was all this love before? <laughs> right. You know, it, it was, again, a, an award winner at TIFF. And then, you know, one of, I think it was 18 Canadian films that made it into Sundance. Oh, no, no, no. I think it was one of six. Oh, six. There you go. So it's even smaller. Yeah. And so one of six, that in itself is an accomplishment that should be lauded, right? So you have all this happening, and again, it's award-winning film. So again, we haven't seen it, but one would think that it's actually a really good film and wasn't supported. So when I, the reason it jumped out at me is because I just saw indie filmmaker written all over it, right? I didn't really see Canada versus or needing validation from U.S. or Canada needing validation from Hollywood, I just saw hometown needing validation from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that same thing happening with um, independent filmmakers all the time. And it's, to me, it's disheartening. You know, you have films that go to specific film festivals. Let's say it's, you know, Sundance or Tiff, and let's say they do win there. But even if they win something, hometown isn't spreading the word, right? You're not hearing about it on the news. You're not reading about it in the newspapers. There's nothing until someone right? With this kind of level of individual influence tweets about it, right? Comments about it. It's like, well, where were you before the tweet? And that's the part that really jumped out at me. Yeah. And it it, it makes me think, and I've had this thought for about a month now, uh, basically since the introduction of Clubhouse, right? So if you haven't used Clubhouse before uh, and you're listening to this, it's a really interesting platform because it's it's a concept we're all familiar with, right? Like we're going to go meet on a Zoom call or we're going to go meet, uh, you know, um, we're going to do like a, an Instagram live or like a Facebook live or whatever it might be. Like we're, we're used to this concept of like going live, but this idea of it being invite only and then you can set a schedule. But because most it's, it's like a combination, it's an integration between Zoom and let's say IG live, right? Where... Um, instead of the Zoom call happening between sort of a known group of of the same of ten people, five people in a meeting, it can literally be the entire world as long as they want to join your room. And well, I don't know about literally. It can, in theory, <laughs> it can be the entire world in your room, and you're talking to them, and they're going straight to the straight to the source. And so, what happened with me was I was following this GameStop thing. And Elon Musk got on Clubhouse and did sort of an interview with some of his fans um, on, on one of his fans' shows, I believe. And Vlad, who 
owns Robinhood, which is the trading app associated with this whole thing. He got on at the end and Elon Musk is able to just interview Vlad on like why he shut down the buy side of the of the trading. Right. Um, Which made it look like, you know, he was favoring Citadel and like the house. And Chris, why are you mentioning all this? Well, the reason why is because I started to think about what is the role of the mainstream media going forward? Like how long as a society are we going to deal with the things that the mainstream media has to do in order to make money before we just say, let me just go right to the source. Like what is the best news source for me? And when I think about a tweet from Ava DuVernay, I think about the fact that that was better news than news. Like had Kelly... Fife Marshall gotten into a paper in Canada, it would not have done as well as a tweet from Ava DuVernay. And that's what is kind of fascinating to me because it's not like, it's not like if Canada nudges your film, suddenly you have the network effect. Like, okay, everybody's talking about my film because my country talked about it. The network effect comes with the group that follows the person who nudges you. And that, and celebrities understand that. Like they put a price tag and a value on their input and their influence. And Nick, you and I have been through that um, quite famously. I think uh, in, 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 in our world, uh, we had a movie, Adult Interference. Very funny. It was good. It was Kate Upton's last feature film. And Kate decided not to promote it. And that changed the dynamics and the network effect and the finances of the entire movie. And she had her own reasons. We don't hold anything against her. It's, it is what it is, but that just is the fact. Like, that's just what happens. And I think that um, that fact right there in the world we live in today, Nick, tells me that Clubhouse or an application like it uh, can even go further than Twitter has gone to usurp mainstream media and the importance of it, right? Like, if you want to hear some spin, then you'll turn on uh Fox News, which is barely a news channel, in my opinion, right? Uh, or you'll turn on CNN, who's equally as culpable, and you'll hear spin all day, and, and that's what you'll hear. But if you want to go right to the source and find out directly what someone was thinking, what the news really is, you go to a place like Twitter or you go to a place like Clubhouse. Those are the actual market makers. And I have proof because when important people make news and, and create a market for news, journalists are in the room in Clubhouse and journalists are following the people who are the market makers, so to speak, the newsmakers on Twitter. And it's so it, going back to, to Black Bodies, the short film, one at TIFF, it's a big deal that I get, got accepted at Sundance. But what was it about the film that got Abe's attention? That's what we have to find out. That's what we have to hack. That's what we have to get to the bottom of to help independent filmmakers out, Nick. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, I think that there's there's definitely truth to that. Now, I do think that, you know, the news outlets, you know, whether they're the magazines, the news media, I think people still do pay attention to these types of things. And I think there's a little bit potentially, I'm just going to say potentially a little bit of less of the spin factor when it comes to some of the things that we see in the uh, entertainment field, especially as it pertains to independent film. I think there might be a little bit more of a trust factor there from the audience. Uh, but I kind of wonder, you know, taking, you know, your, your thoughts and I'm curious if Canada 
or Toronto or, you know, any local news, I'm not going to say medium, but like if any of the people who work in news and work in media, I wonder if they are realizing what it is you're saying to a degree and are thinking that they're somewhat obsolete in that. Basically, if they recognize what you're saying, maybe they don't believe that their voice is strong enough. And maybe that's why they're looking to not necessarily Hollywood, right? Because to your point, it didn't necessarily need Ava DuVernay, a director in Hollywood. It could have taken the biggest TikTok star out there to put a nod to this film. And then that's what it took to then get Canada, right? To start talking about it. Yeah, so it was basically the tastemaker. Exactly. It's like, would you rather have Ava DuVernay nudge your film or Addison Ray <laughs> from, from TikTok, who has 4.9 billion likes? Well, I mean, from a viewership standpoint, maybe you want Addison Ray, but from a respectability of your peer standpoint, I'll take Ava DuVernay all day. All right. Day. Like, like it depends on what your goal is, like what you want as a, as an artist, as a filmmaker, I, I'm assuming that Kelly Fife Marshall uh, absolutely adores uh, the fact that Ava DuVernay sort of nudged her film, but, but being, but having a background in journalism myself, I will tell you that I, I don't believe that it's a feeling of inadequacy. Nick. It's actually, good. it's actually like the opposite. It's almost, um, arrogance, right? The, the, the entertainment column in a normal, it's like, if you, if you're in LA variety or if you're in the movie business, variety is a big deal, Right. Everything about yeah, sure. that variety does is a big deal. If you make variety, you you you're you're doing well, right? Like you you have a name, people are going to see it in the industry, you're going to understand it. But that's variety. The the media at large, the entertainment column is not an important column, right? The the, the real journalist, quote unquote, with air quotes, the and maybe I shouldn't air quote it. The real journalists, the writers, the people who are tracking down the murderers, the people who are following politics and the bullshiggity that happens in Washington, D.C. And, you know, all that stuff that, you know, that is where the crux of attention goes in 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 a newsroom, Nick. And so nobody like 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 taking on the assignment of writing about an independent film that did well in a festival is the equivalent of a cop getting a, a traffic, uh, stop job. Beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, or, or like a desk job. Like, it's like, Oh my God, they don't value me out like in the streets to do the real work. Like they have me, I'm a traffic cop. Like this is the worst. Right. And that's how journalists see that stuff. And the second point, is also, I think, pretty valid, which is if you make a film and it won an award, are you sure you still want to hand it over to the person who's running entertainment at your local or citywide newspaper? Because what happens is they ask for a screener, you send them the screener, and instead of getting the hometown nod of a four or five-star review suddenly you have a two and a half star review from your own hometown. And now you've lost your audience at the base level, at the foundational level. And it's a scary thing. And so, and, and, and filmmakers have been burned that way. Right. So I think 
for filmmakers, it's, it's, can I trust this person? Like, like, do they have my best interest in heart at heart? Um, and it's so sad to say it like, this is not the, the type of journalism that I sort of went to school to learn and, and be part of that profession. Uh, so many people I've mentioned this a few times, but for those who don't know that are new to the podcast, I have a degree in journalism and marketing. And for, for me, it's like, I didn't go to school for that type of journalism, but right now the way it is, is you, you have one intention, you guys talk like your friends and then the outcome is something different than what you expected and talked about with that journalist. And that is such a scary proposition for an independent filmmaker who really outside of that film is powerless. Um, and so I wonder if it's even a good idea now, now could be Nick and maybe you can expound upon this idea a little bit. It could be that maybe there should just be a council or a board that covers the creative that comes out of a place that says, okay, what are the, what are the best 10 films that have come out of Toronto, for example, this year, what festivals do they make it into? Okay. We're going to shout them out. We have a campaign. We have dollars to put toward it, et cetera. And then, and then that's going to blaze a trail so that more creatives come behind and know that the community is supporting them. Nick. Yeah. I, well, I kind of wonder, and you talk about, you know, looking at those, t- you know, 10 best, or I just want to get back to what you said about the newsroom and the beat cop, you know, because I think about it, like, you know, what we're talking about here is an independent film, right? I mean, that's, that's what this is. And yeah, what we look at is like, like for us, you know, when we consider like investing in a film, right? Well, an investment means something, right? It means that you're expecting a return, right? It's not a gift, right? It's not a loan, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's an investment. You expect a return. Maybe it could, could be a loan, Nick. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a loan, right? Right. Then, then it's a loan, <laughs> but you know, what's your tax so structure I, look like? Right. Exactly. But I think about it like this. So, you know, when you talk about the newsroom, you know, they would look at these at anything, not just independent films, but as, at anything as an investment, right. It's an investment of time. Yep. Right. So is it worth the investment to talk about, this independent film it's different when you know it's a popular you know uh, ip related film right there's intellectual property behind it there's stars or something like that because it brings people to the yard right so i wonder if that's more of the issue we'll call it the milkshake effect exactly yeah. so i wonder if that's the yard exactly i wonder if that's what it is and it's not again about you know, again, Canada doesn't support us. Like, no, no, no. If this was a Canadian film that had some star power behind it, that talking about it provided a return on investment, right? Because people are interested in those casts, those that, you know, director, the writer, then it makes sense. Again, it's, you have to spend time, money, effort, resources to do this kind of publicity, uh, so really, I, you know, I started to think about it, like, what if the return on investment is actually just getting more of these creatives from your town out there? Mm-hmm. Like, 
giving them an opportunity to be success opportunity to be successful. Cause it's like, you know, we, we don't want to talk about you until you're somebody, but it's like, Hey, wait, wait, you could help these people be somebody, you know, even in a small way. So again, it's, it's, again, I probably is that investment factor, but I guess for me and having worked with so many of these independent filmmakers and even talk to folks, you know, in different cities about how they want to bolster, you know, their community of creatives and they have all of these offerings, you know, to give the community and there's, you know, different programs to help independent filmmakers. But despite all of those programs, many of which are, you know, government uh, managed and provided, it's like, that's kind of where it just falls off. Like they're not there to springboard you to the next thing. And that's, uh, you know, again, it's not about um, Hollywood. Like you said, it's, it's really about, you know, what is the, some of the leverage that you're able to take advantage of to really pick your people up, lift them up to the next level. You know, why let them all just kind of go out there on their own? It's, it's hard out there right? It's hard out there in these streets, man. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I need somebody to help me out. If my city, my, my county, my state, like could just talk about me, talk me up, you know, that might help. Right. And it's so, it's so interesting because I think we're in a paradigm shift right now. I think we'll look back on this in five years and say, this was the moment that so many things changed in terms of how we got entertainment, how we consumed it, and and how we um, decided what gets a platform and what doesn't. If you look at some of the things that that not just Kelly Fife Marshall said, but also her cinematographer uh, said as well, um, talking about you know her film and, and the silence silence that came out of Canada, they don't want to leave Canada. They. So, so they're espousing principles that we've talked about before and, and the great Ryan Hartsocket talked about, which is you got produce it. where you are. Yep, for sure. Produce where you are. So, so they're recognizing this thing, right, which is all created by the race to the bottom subsidies that happen in film, especially around visual effects. Is like they're going to shoot in Toronto, but use Toronto as a proxy for another city in the U.S., well, okay, I get that they're frustrated about that, but also, who's their audience? If the audience is U.S., then they can relate to it more if they think it's the U.S. and not Toronto. Yep, so, that's right. So part of that frustration is just like, hey, that's part of the game. But I think the other thing that's happening, too, is most movies are not shot uh, <laughs> anywhere close to California anymore. Right. Right. Yep. But, but there's this myth making that happens where the industry is still there. The business of it all funnels through there. And I think that at some point that's going to become very inconvenient, whether it be COVID that makes it happen, uh, whether it be weather, distance, time, value systems, whatever. It's like, if we're shooting in Georgia, let's just stay in Georgia and then give Georgia all the props. Right. Like let's, let's make Georgia the place it's warm. I don't want to leave. <laughs> right. right? Yep. Uh, I don't have to risk anything. We're already shooting here. It is what it is. So same thing with Toronto, uh, same thing with Ontario, same thing with the UK, New Zealand, all the hot spots to film at. Um, it's, 
It's like eventually those will become the places and displace Hollywood, you know, if they're not careful, right? Because it is, a, it is, there's a lot of myth making, and I don't think people want to leave their hometowns. I think they have the same sort of ambitions, me and you have, Nick, which is let's make it right where we are and let's show it can be done right where we're at and, and show that quality doesn't have a zip code. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it, you know, again, with, um, wasn't Jordan Oram, the cinematographer, mm-hmm. you know, from the article that we were reading from the star, it says that Oram says he wishes there were someone like him when he was younger that was working to shift the narrative from finding success elsewhere to endless opportunities right at home. Right. Right. And we'll see this shift. I think this shift of not just the things I just talked about, but also this idea that you, that you spoke about a moment ago, Nick, which is, Hey, they don't want to talk about me until I'm a somebody, but, but how about, you know, helping me be a somebody? Well, I think, I think being a somebody will change. I think that it feels like every person I talk to that's 20 or younger wants to be creating content. So that means everybody's a director, everybody's a cinematographer, everybody's a photographer. You know, everyone is, everyone's an editor. Like, like the, 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 the editing software that exists now, that the power of your phone, the, the, the learning curve for, for being a great editor has dropped considerably. The learning curve for understanding what works and what doesn't has dropped considerably. Why? Because the feedback loop is instantaneous. All right. This many likes versus this many likes. It's as simple as that. Yep. And so in a world where everyone is creating, right, how do we decide what's worthy of a particular platform like Netflix or a movie theater or HBO Max or you name it, right? Versus, okay, you know, that doesn't work for this platform, but it's, it works great on YouTube or this is perfect for TikTok, or this is perfect for Snapchat. Like Snapchat shows are a thing that's sort of happening below the noses of the general consuming public. But for those that are on Snapchat, it, it, it's blown up. And you find out, well, I don't need uh, half the country to be aware of the thing I'm creating. Like I don't need the 150 million people, let's say 175 million people to know that my thing exists anymore. And I think this is what's happening, Nick. Now I just need my sphere of influence to be larger in the spaces that I play, right? So if I can get 5 million people to watch my Snapchat show or 1 million people to watch it five times, that's all the success I need. It's like very Kevin Kelly-ish sort of a thousand true fans um, mode I think we're entering into, Nick. Yeah, well, you know, you have... I think you're right that we're, you know, I wouldn't even say entering, right? Like we're there. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, that's <laughs> yeah. Cause you and I have talked to many filmmakers about this before, right? It's like they have the same. So, you know, Kelly talks about Canada. Well, you could talk about filmmakers themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Filmmakers themselves do this. They, they seek, you know, even from a, dis- a distribution standpoint, they seek distributor validation, they seek certain platform validation, right? It's like, they don't make it to Netflix. Then it's like, Oh, that sucks. Like we didn't make it, you know? So 
I, I think, you know, to your point again, it's like, you know, what is the most appropriate platform, you know, to get this stuff out there, whether it's, you know, again, YouTube, Snapchat, whatever, but again, how do you leverage that network effect? Like, what are you doing to get it out there, to make these connections, to get leverage or, you know, use someone else's leverage to get your stuff out there. Um, and I think that's where a lot of filmmakers are losing, uh, again, just in their own minds, you know, not doing what it takes to, to put their stuff out there. And maybe, you know what, you know, as we're thinking through it, cause we're always, you know, trying to solution this stuff as well. Uh, but maybe <laughs> there's, you know, maybe there's local, what do you want to call them, man? Uh, inf- I, you know, I hate using the term influencers. I feel like that get used to it. very, oh, yeah, but I feel like it's very specific, you know, to social, <laughs> you right. know, like there might be other types of influence community influencers and, and such, but like, let's say in a, in the city of Nashville, mm-hmm. you know, who are the influencers in Nashville and do those folks have city or state pride, right? Or which of them have city or state pride and which of them would be willing to leverage their platform to put these independent filmmakers on blast you know, put them out there, let people know about what they're doing. And, you know, this gets back to, of course, another conversation that you and I had about, you know, the fact that some content creators feel like they can't really put other people on blast because not everybody can fit in the room. Right. Right. I'm not going to put your content on blast because I'm making my own content, but it's like, Hey, there's room for everybody out here. So, so the, yeah, so the key goes back to the whole thing about what kind of content you create as any creative, we, you know, we've talked about this lane a lot, which is if you make something for somebody, um, that you're also passionate about, right. Yep. So we, we talk about like had an interview with, um, Valerie Barnhart recently. So she's passionate, you know, about, um, these social issues that happen with, with, with young girls, um, and indigenous uh, people, indigenous people and, and young girls of color and, and these lost girls, she's passionate about that. So of course the people that are going to nudge her are people that are also passionate about it, that might have a community because I think, because I think the thing is that, that you said that is sneaky is, you know, if, in any city, there's going to be somebody like they, like there's somebody you know that's in your city or state that has five million followers that people outside the state don't know who they are. That's right, <laughs> but they have five million followers. Matter. Right, so <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> did you make content that that reaches those people that touches those people where where they feel emboldened by your content? And I think that's so. It's not even like because because I, I think in the future. And, and maybe like you said, even now, I think as we go along, we'll find out that there are a hundred thousand good platforms and not all there of them are going to have a name. And there so you, you just have to find where does your content match? You know, where does it go? Where does it fit? And there's just a lot of goodness in that. I think, um, I think that's one solution to it for sure. Uh, as, as we go into this and, all you need is that nudge and then you get the network effect and then people start talking about it, watching it. And then you can, and then you can build upon that. Um, yeah. the, the, and then the question is, is okay, what's your goal? Cause if your goal is financial, that may not be enough unless 
unless that person nudging you says, hey, go to this site where you can buy it and your infrastructure is correct where they can purchase it. But if but if your goal is just, you know, to be a respected filmmaker, to get the word out about the subject, the thing you're passionate about, that's a really, you know, solid approach, Nick. Yeah, well, the, you know, the, the thing that I just keyed in on what you just said is like, you know, where does your content match? And I would just, you know, push that a, a little bit more and say, where does your content matter? Yeah. You know, so that person has got 5 million followers. Does your content matter? You know, does the subject matter to that person? You know, and if you get one or two of those people doing what you said, pointing their audience to your content, then that may be all that you ever need. Like you may not need to get the the big, you know, cash out deal that you think you could get or what you wish you could get from a Netflix or a Hulu or even an Amazon, you know, that one nudge from that one influencer or two influencers because your content matters to them, that could be everything that you need in order to make it, you know, with your film, you know, making other, like you said, that's making a profit or just obtaining the notoriety that was needed in order for your, you know, stuff to be recognized, which gives you a platform to do the next thing, right. Mm -hmm. To get financing for the next thing, because people have heard of you right? There's a buzz about you, you know, there's social media, you know, uh, likes, follows and shares about you that you can reference when you're trying to do the next thing. So and, I think and, that's and, it. Yeah. And there are a lot of filmmakers that will say, but Chris and Nick, listen, guys, I, I don't want to make a bunch of dramatic shit. Like I don't want to, I'm not the guy or gal who's going to make black bodies, for example, like, right. But the, but the most powerful thing about what you said about where your content matters is, your comedy could matter. That's right. Right. Like what, what would it be like to make something funny that made Dave Chappelle's day? And then he nudges you because it's so damn good. Right. Like that your, your matters doesn't mean social activism. Exactly. It just means yep. where the people are that are going to enjoy and, and come back to it. And, and, and we can wrap on this, which is, the whole conversation reminds me of, of the question we sometimes will ask our interviewees, which is how do you know when you're good? And I think there's something so uh, deep inside of it, you know, depending on how each creative answers that question, but there's something that goes really to the foundation of what we all want as creatives, which is that validation that, you know, how do I know I'm good? Usually when someone else tells you, you are. Yep. That's it. And isn't that fascinating? We'll say that we'll say that for part two of this conversation, Nick. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. This <laughs> this has already been great. And honestly, I'm I'm happy that um that Kelly has put, you know, these thoughts out there. Again, they, they may not be spot on when it comes to, you know, Canada, you know, versus the US, or I wouldn't say versus, but Canada specifically, you know, leveraging or needing Hollywood, you know, as we've kind of unraveled here. There's, there's tons behind that, you know, but I think for me, it's a really good conversation for independent filmmakers to have and to consider, like you said, you know, what is the source of their validation and is that valid in today's world? And is that valid in today's world is, is perfect. Absolutely, man. Ah, I love it. I love it. Uh, best of luck to Kelly Fife Marshall and all that she does. And thank you. 
uh, if we haven't said it to Ava DuVernay for, for nudging her film, another great film that came out of uh, Sundance uh, that uh, I, I'm really interested in is, is a film that's it's tentatively named Passing. I mean, that was the acquisition title, but it's got Ruth Nega in it. It's got uh, um, um, Tessa Thompson. And it's basically a play on my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Imitation of Life. And this is um, a story about trying to pass as white uh, in a modern world. So, um, I, if it's anything like imitation of life, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. that came out of Sundance as well. And so um, it's an awesome time for film. Keep your ear to the ground on all these movies. And Nick, as expected, a very fun conversation. Thank you, bud. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure, dude. This is, uh, this is great. Glad to be back. And, uh, you know, glad for, or looking forward to the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Um, our audience continues to build. So we're, super grateful for everyone who's listening and everyone who's sharing and everyone's who's, you know, giving us a thumbs up, you know, on the podcast, still a five-star podcast. It's awesome. You know, we, we look forward to additional, you know, five-star ratings from you folks and reviews just to keep the conversation going and keep this platform, you know, for the voice of the independent filmmaker going and growing. So yeah, we appreciate you all. That's right, because uh, rate and review, even though it sounds cliche, is its own little network effect just based on the way that Apple Podcasts um, algorithms work. So please do rate and review five stars, please, and um, that will help our network effect out. So That's speaking right. about uh, absolutely speaking about bonsai, if you want to reach out to us, you can. If you have questions, concerns, comments, you can email us at contact at bonsai.film, B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M. You can also find us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Bonsai Creative. You can go to Facebook and search for Bonsai Creative and we'll come right up on Facebook. You can find us there as well. And you can reach out to Nick and I individually on Twitter. You can find Nick at Nicholas Bugs, or you can just search for his name, Nicholas Bugs. Or you can find me, you can search for my name, Christopher Barkley, or you can search for my handle, which is at flame in your heart. Uh, you're is spelled you are, and we'll re respond to you right away. Uh, Nick, why don't you uh, take us out of here with the credo? Yeah, man, this is, you know, another exciting part of the podcast because, you know, in addition to it being our, our credo that we end with, it is basically the set of principles uh, by which we live here at Bonsai Creative. So be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Take it easy, man. All right, brother. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Book Us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. 
you have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.